Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast, guys. I cannot wait for you to meet my new friend, Bonnie Gray. Growing up as a Chinese-American daughter of a mail-order bride and a busboy working in San Francisco's Chinatown, Bonnie never felt like she belonged. She spent her childhood hiding Chinese Bonnie, who lived in a dysfunctional home in poverty, so she could be accepted as cheerful American Bonnie, who excelled on the school speech and debate team. As an adult, Gray overcame mental health issues, panic attacks, anxiety, and depression stemming from childhood trauma, sexual assault, and PTSD. In her most personal book yet, Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness, author, soul care expert, and the host of Breathe, the Stress Less podcast, Bonnie empowers women to make peace with their past deal with toxic relationships, and build a new story of faith and joy in their families, families, marriages, friendships, and relationships with God. Welcome, Bonnie. I'm so excited and honored to have you here on the podcast. I'm just thrilled, Angela, to be here to have this virtual cup of coffee with you, I especially that. knowing that you got a sneak peek into this book. I just feel like I'm reunited with my sister in Christ. I love it. And I love your book. I did. I got an advanced copy. I'm a handful of chapters in almost about a third of the way through and it's riveting. I am drawn into your story. I'm drawn into your culture and I love everything about it. Let's just dive right in because I want people to hear about it. It launched by the way at your, at a number one spot. So share that already because so how exciting is that Bonnie? You know, I am just surprised because for the past 10 years, I've been wanting to write this book, Hmm. you know, sweet like Jasmine. And I was told that there's no market (laughs) in Hmm. book publishing for Asian American stories of faith. And, you know, sometimes we tend to hold on to those words of rejection, you know, more than all the other encouraging words. Somehow our hearts, you know, those vulnerable places that we usually hide and we don't tell anybody about, it kind of hit me there, you know? And so I was so surprised when I shared this book cover of Sweet Like Jasmine, Hmm. there's a part of me that's felt, okay, no one's going to want to hear this story. And it's kind of echoing the voice of my mother. Hmm. And, um, you know, you talked about how I'm empowering and guiding women to experience freedom from toxic relationships. Well, you know, that's the message of God's light that whatever valley we've been through the difficulties, God's love can use it to shine a light so that we can be a voice of encouragement to another woman who's Mm -hmm. going through that same place. So I'm just so excited that listeners and readers, you know, If you're going through in the middle of a rough places, you feel like, gosh, you know, I don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. God is with you. God is going to help and comfort you. And for those that are on the other side of healing, you have a story that a woman needs. So, you know, when I first shared this book 
Angela, that's why I was so surprised. The response was overwhelming. Mm. The readers who have become my sisters in Christ said, we want to hear this story. And I think it's because even though we might seem different from different cultures, I'm Chinese American, but you know what? Our journey through life is as human beings. We all experience brokenness. We all long for beauty. Mm. So I'm excited to share my Asian American story of faith, you know, because not everybody, you know, is born to a mail order bride from Hong Kong, right? So I (laughs) was really excited. Yeah, I was excited that you said it was riveting for you because I love novels. Mm. I love novels. I said, I want this to be a page turner. It is that you'll just be swept up in the story so that you'll find yourself there with me. It, that's exactly what happens. I'm telling you, and it launched at the number one spot in Amazon, right? Here's this book that you fought for 10 years of rejection. Yes. And, and you've had a wonderful response already that it's number one. Yeah. Yes. Number one new release in Christian biographies. Come on. Not just, I know, not just Asian American biographies. So it's, it's really shining light for the power of sisterhood, yes. the power that the gospel shines through every heritage, every culture. And in fact, I'm here right now in Dallas and this person that I met just waiting for uh, our flight to take off. He said, you know what? I'm Italian Jewish. He's like, I want to read your book <laughs> you know, because he's like, I understand what it feels like that home life is one way. And we step through the door and then we have to kind of be you know, another show only a side of us that we Mm. think people would accept us. It's not that we're fake. It's more like, well, we all want to belong. We want to be able to fit in and be welcome. So, you know, it's, it's the more we can share our unique stories, the more we feel connected. It's like, we become like a safe person say, Hey, come sit down next to me. Mm. You can be yourself. You can relax. And so I find that wherever I go, you know, even here in Dallas for this business trip right now, as I get ready to share about the book, people of all different cultural heritage, you know, just start sharing their stories. When I share, you know what my father left when I was seven and I didn't even know where he was Hmm. and he never came back for me. He never wrote me. I would check the mailbox every time it was my birthday because I was hoping secretly, maybe Hmm. I would find a card from him. Or sometimes I would just like at Christmas, I would think, okay, maybe I'll get a phone call. And even till like when I turned 18, my high school graduation, I remember standing there, Angela, you know, and looking out into the crowd, I thought maybe my mother, who's a very toxic person, is keeping my father away from me. Mm. Maybe now that I'm 18, he'll, a, a man will come up to me and shake my hand and say, Bonnie, I'm your father. You know, but there was no man that mm. came up to me to shake my hand to tell me he was my father. Mm. And so, you know, immediately a story like that opens up so many conversations. People will say, Oh, I, I understand that, you know, my, my mother was distant or my father left also, or, um, my husband left. I mean, just the whole concept of somebody leaving us. I mean, those are, that's like the most painful thing we can ever experience. Well, and the themes that you cover in the book are so universal, Bonnie, regardless of our upbringing, the themes of belonging, wanting to to know that we are known and loved and belong. 
and have value. And you hit on so many pain points that we as women, or if you're a man and you're listening, it's a, it's a universal book. The themes are universal. Let's talk about kind of where the book starts, which is recounting this journey that you go on in this memoir to make peace with your past. You return to Chinatown in San Francisco to find your childhood home and the father that you just mentioned that abandoned you. And and what you discovered there changed your life. You talk about that so vividly. Why did you choose to revisit Chinatown, Bonnie, when you had vowed and sworn never to return? You talk about the vows that you make. And and how does us exploring the stories from our past help us to flourish and move forward? Well, you know, um, a lot of people would probably be surprised that I have such a broken past because I'm a Bible teacher in my church. I teach other women to teach other women, you know? And so I think as we maybe have grown up in the church or we've been believers, it's like we kind of put aside the places where we've maybe been lonely or felt pain and rejection because we don't want people to judge us. We don't want them to think there's something wrong with us. And so we feel as if we need to put those things to the side, but God says, I care about these stories because they happen to you. Yes. And in fact, I love you and I want to be with you and be with other people as you share your story. So now I did not volunteer to go on this quest to find my father, Mm. Angela. I, I swore I would never go back. And you know, the vows that we make, it's interesting that they shape our identity And as we take them up and we, um, even as believers, for instance, one of the vows I made early in my life, and it leads to why God somehow brought me back. It's very interesting story. Um, My father, he left, I told you when he was seven and we grew up below the poverty line. So we did not have medical insurance. Hmm. And so we, you know, would go to the Chinese apothecary to get Chinese herbs. And those only work like, up to a certain extent, because if you have something that needs antibiotics, you need to see a Western doctor. So one day out of the blue, I was in third grade. My mother dropped me off in the middle of a parking lot of a Chinese restaurant where my father worked at. And I didn't know, but he worked at this restaurant, you know, after he left, apparently my mom knew, but I didn't know. And she said, go get some money because look, you've made your sister sick. Now she's caught whatever you have. I had a sore throat, sore mouth, sore gums, After I became a mom, I I kind of assumed that it was probably hand, foot, mouth disease. Um, I just had a fever. I was like, oh, I could hardly talk. And he said, go get money from your dad and don't come back to the car until you've got that money. And I had no idea what I'd even say to my father. I haven't seen him in years. So then I went to the restaurant and, you know, the people had me sit there to, you know, where we do our takeout orders, usually pick it up. And he said, this I saw him and he said, what are you doing here? Um, You should not be here. And he started shoving me out the door. And I said, oh, but I'm sick and I need money to see the doctor. And he said, I don't have any money. I said, what am I going to do? My mom just told me not to come back um, unless I had the money. So I told him, I said, I can't go back because Ama, which is Chinese, you know, for mom. I said, Ama said, "I, I can't get back in the car without money. So he he pulled out a wad of cash from his pocket. And in that moment, as he's peeling out the dollar bills and the $5 to give to me, it was the most humiliating moment in my life because he just told me he had no money. 
And then he shoved me out the door. And as I was walking back to the car, I swore to myself, I made a vow. I said, I will never, ever ask anyone for anything ever again, even if I die. And it's interesting in that moment, that's normal. That's human. If somebody just rejected you, you're going to make a vow to be strong. Right. But yet, interestingly enough, God said, by his grace, that was what you needed in the moment my daughter to be strong by your, by my grace, but we are not to hold on to our burdens indefinitely. We're not to hold on to those vows indefinitely. So God brought me back and um, he went, he had me go back through an interesting way, which was through curiosity. I didn't want to ever go back, but um, my son, he was second son was just born and I had a baby. And as all moms know, when you have two kids, you just have your baby. You want your kid to be making popsicle stick art just for a few hours. (laughs) So you can get a break. So I wanted to enroll him into preschool and I had a birth. I was looking for a birth certificate and I ran into my own birth certificate. Have you ever looked at your birth certificate? You know, when I was reading your book, I wasn't sure that I have, if I have, it's been many, many years. Exactly. I mean, usually I pull it out to prove my identity, right? I don't really sure. look at it. Sure. Right. But I looked at it closely and I realized I was born in a hospital called Chinese hospital. I was like, why is this hospital named after an ethnicity? It's the only hospital in America that's named after an ethnicity. And I didn't know the reason why. And I wanted to No, I was so curious. And then it dawned on me as I was holding that birth certificate one day my son's going to ask me, where is grandpa? Mm. Where, when did we come to America? And I would have no answers, Angela. Mm. And it suddenly hit me. I don't want my child, my children, my two boys. I named them Josh and Caleb. I don't want them to carry the shame that I did, which was, I have no story. Mm. I, I don't, I don't know where I came from. I don't know where my father is. And I realized I'm going to go find my father for them. Yeah. But you know what? It's interesting. God knew that would be the way to my heart. Mm. I did it for them first, but you know, obviously God was really doing it for me. I needed to find out where is my father? Why did he leave? So as I went back to Chinatown to find that childhood home and to find my father, it's written like a mystery. <laughs> it's so wonderful. It's beautifully written. It really is. And what I love about what you just said is you made this vow at the moment and God said in his grace, listen, you needed to do that to survive, to be strong. There are some very tough moments that you experienced. It hurt my heart reading through some of, of, of your experiences, Bonnie. And, and what I love about what you just said is, okay, I made those vows almost just to survive as a child, but now God's grace was strong enough to help you to see his beauty. I want to read something that you said. I love this ending of every chapter. You have a description and a definition of something that's a unique part of Chinese culture. And I thought that was fascinating. It made me want to just go and be there. The butterfly butterfly pages of, of origami. There were just so many things that I was drawn into. And I want to read, I hope I pronounce it well, um, Kintsugi. I love this. You said, this is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending it with gold. Each piece is made more beautiful and valuable for having been broken. Gold isn't used to hide flaws, but to highlight them. 
the breakage is treated as a valuable part of an object's history to accentuate and treasure instead of something to disguise and camouflage. The artist embraces flaws as a ways of not only repairing broken pottery, but also as a means of transforming it into something new, an original, unable to be duplicated work of art. Oh my goodness, Bonnie, I love that. And I love the way that you're helping us to reframe what we see as the broken pieces of our life to be the places that God wants to highlight with gold. I thought that was a beautiful inclusion in your book. So in Sweet Like Jasmine, you describe striving for a cookie cutter life during this childhood, trying to just fit in with all the quote unquote normal people. I don't know who the normal people are, but I know what you mean by that. And you wrote well into my adult years, I was hiding the things that made me feel different and broken. I was following everyone else's journey except my own. So how did you begin, Bonnie, to really follow your own journey in life? Well, I always like to share this part because I probably would have kept on being strong. I love being the caregiver. I love making other people happy. That's kind of how I derived my joy because I never knew somebody that would say to me, hey, Bonnie, how are you doing? Oh, please come sit down here. Have a cup of tea. Oh, how are you feeling? Like that's like foreign language to me. Um, and so how did it change for me? Well, gosh, I had panic attacks. I started having depression and it occurred when I was a mother, when I was very safe, I found a loving husband in my thirties. I got married later in my life. Mm. So I thought, wow, I I've survived all these hard times. You know, I've Yay, you know, I get to now create a new, beautiful, quote unquote, normal family, you know, and just hide all those things that were broken. And in fact, my kids don't even know the stories I wrote in this book until this April. Because as I wrote them out of wanting to share it, you know, share God's gospel and God's light, I wanted to share it with my children. Sometimes it's hard to tell those stories, but because I'm a writer. Sure. Since I was a little girl, I loved to journal. That was my safe place. Hmm. My journal was my safe place where I didn't have to be anything for anybody. I could just be myself. So as I journaled these stories, and I'm going to share with our listeners that um, I'm offering a free journal, Stories of Faith, as a free gift for those who purchased a Sweet Like Jasmine book. I offer it as a gift because that is what brought me healing. Hmm. And it, it's writing new legacies because I shared these stories with my children. And I thought, oh, no. What will my children think? I said, okay, boys, they're 13 and 15. I said, I'll just read one story to you. I want you to get to know me as Bonnie, not as mom, but maybe you're not interested or this is like story you don't want to know about me. And that's okay. I said, because again, in the back of my mind, right? I mean, I don't, I don't want to show those flaws, you know, but um, my kid said, okay. So we sat down, I read them one story. And I thought, oh, no, they're going to say TMI, mom, right? They're teenagers. And um, or, whoa, I really didn't need to know that about you, mom. For instance, sexual assault. I experienced sexual assault that first year. I went to college. I didn't do anything wrong. I was with a, a person who was a Bible study leader in college. I'd known him the whole year. I thought it was safe. I thought he was safe. And I never had a boyfriend in high school. So, for instance, that was one story I shared. And the opposite happened, Angela. My youngest son, Caleb, said, Mom, why didn't you tell us this before? Wow. That's terrible that happened. I'm I'm so sorry. He just started hugging me. 
And then I started crying because I didn't expect that reaction. And my, I, I said to my oldest son, Josh, because he's quiet, he's more of an introvert. I said, well, what do you think, Josh? Is this embarrassing for you to know about mom? He said, mom, no, I am so proud of you. That's mm. amazing. You're going to write about this. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Then I knew at that moment, wow, God is continuing to heal, continue yes. to shine his light. So the reason why I started going on this journey um, you talked about that gold that you really found beautiful, those flaws. Well, in order for God to turn them and line them with gold, he still first needed me to trust him, to show mm-hmm. him my broken pieces. And he started with panic attacks. And I didn't know why, because I was finally safe and a loving husband. I had already worked. I was a career woman for 15 years. I grew up to go to put myself through college. You know, I led that cookie cutter life, you know two boys, you know, husband and Bible (laughs) teacher and Christian author. I already published a book. And, and, um, that was when I started having panic attacks, Angela, Mm. out of the blue, I'm just sleeping, nothing, no worry on my mind. Mm. And, um, I would just wake up choking my heart palpitating, racing my throat closing. And I would choke every two hours. And because I had kind of built up this um, wore this hat, not that I was fake, but I wore this hat of, you know, teaching others of God's word, encouraging women speaking, you know, um, I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't understand why I was getting up and feeling like my body was like, you know, made of lead. I couldn't get up. Um, my, my back started hurting. I couldn't drive one morning. I, my body was just like so traumatized and I didn't know, I didn't even know the word traumatized, but um, I secretly went to a um, Christian counseling. Um, He was head of a hundred different Christian counselors at a a Christian counseling center. And I went to the top because I said, look, I have this, I don't know why this is happening. Can you recommend a therapist for me? And I didn't tell anybody at the time, not even, you know, like other pastors that I serve alongside because I didn't want them to start thinking, you know, oh, your faith is flawed. You mm. haven't forgiven. I mean, there's a whole list of critical voices in my head. Sure. And he said within a minute, one minute, he said, oh, this is a classic case of PTSD. Mm. I said, I'm not a soldier. I, I haven't seen, I haven't, don't see physical violence, people being killed, And he said, well, did you know, Bonnie, and this changed my life, Hmm. changed my direction, my walk of faith, Angela. He said, did you know that emotional abuse, verbal abuse has the same impact on your body as physical abuse to somebody that's beat up, somebody that could be killed facing, you know, dire situation, battered. That your our bodies, Angela, respond the same way. Our bodies has the same response. So I said, but my second question, but why is it happening now? I'm I'm safe. I'm I'm very happy. My faith is strong. I pray every day. You know, I know God's word. I praise the Lord and sing His song. He said, Bonnie, it's the opposite. When does a soldier experience panic attacks? He doesn't experience it when he's fighting strong on the battlefield. He's helping others. He's being strong, resourceful. When does the soldier experience panic attacks? And I'll ask you, Angela, just for rhetorical purposes. You know, you would think that you would experience them right there on the battlefield, 
right? You'd be, you would be in the right and have the attacks right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's when he comes home. Mm. So he said, it's when he comes home. Mm. Yeah. The soldier experience panic when, he, when he's safe. Yeah. When he is safe. So it's only when he is safe that his body, his nervous system, the way God created our nervous system, when we're surviving, being strong to take care of others or take, get through a hard time, those valley situations in our lives, um, our nervous system protects us and we don't feel the effects. It's yeah. later when we're safe. Yeah. So that is when I started experiencing panic attacks and I felt safe. Finally had a loving husband and started bringing up two boys. And so he said, it's because you've been strong. So listeners, if you're experiencing mm-hmm. panic attacks, anxiety, and depression, it's because you've been strong. It's because your faith has helped you overcome hard times. Yeah. And now God is guiding you on a healing journey to take better care of yourself, to nurture the parts of you that you had to face alone. And God says, you're worthy to be loved. You're worthy to learn a new way to open your heart, be vulnerable, share your story and be loved the way you've always maybe loved others to receive the comfort that you do so well, do so well to give others. You need that comfort. So that began my journey. And so it's through that journey and process that I stumbled on my birth certificate, Angela. And then I went back and I tried to find the answers. Mm, mm. And it's such a powerful story of you finally being seen, feeling known. So what advice, what counsel do you have, Bonnie? What do you say to the readers who are tempted to hide parts of themselves because they feel unworthy, they don't feel loved? What is one word of encouragement? What do you hope your reader takes away from reading Sweet Like Jasmine? Well, um, I'm going to read a short excerpt. You know, the encouragement is that... I had to make a decision. I was at a fork in the road, whether or not I would um, choose my own path and explore my stories and really start finding out for, in my case, where was my father? I had to be honest with myself. So here's a question I have for our listeners that I asked myself that got, it became a prayer. What would I do if I was more honest than I am comfortable with? Mm, That's good. What would I say if I was more honest than I am comfortable with. Okay. Because Jesus said that the truth will set us free. Oftentimes we think about that as a statement we're going to give to others. (laughs) Let me tell you the truth that will set you free. But Mm -hmm. actually Jesus was gently, lovingly encouraging, asking us, what is the truth? My beloved, that, that you're holding onto alone, So strong, yet so alone. Open your heart, open your hands so that let me carry you. Let me, let me help you. Sometimes it takes more faith to fall apart in the arms of Jesus than to pray that it stops Mm. from happening. Mm. So here's a moment where I had to make a choice. I told you I didn't fall in love until my thirties. And I actually thought, well, maybe because I didn't grow up with a father and my life is so broken, maybe I'm not meant to fall in love. Maybe I'm one of those people that have the gift of singleness. And uh, my whole life is just serving others and loving others. And I'm going to (laughs) cry. Maybe Mm. one day I'll find love in heaven. 
when I'm reunited with Jesus. Oh, mm. well, I write from this very emotional, vulnerable place, so I'm not ashamed of my tears because mm. I will boast all the more in my weakness mm. to show the power of Christ. Mm. The secret, I was 31 years old, Angela. The secret was that I had to spend every holiday with my mother because she said that family's most important and that I needed to prioritize my time with her. But I just met Eric. He was a new friend that came to the 30 singles ministry that I started (laughs) because I thought I had the gift of singleness. (laughs) And we were, some of us were going to go, not me, but some of the uh, friends in the singles ministry wanted to go down to ride roller coasters in Southern California. And so Eric said, Hey, are you going to go? Let's go. Um, you know, we can ride together. But I didn't, he didn't know that I can't go. Right. So, but he said, why other guys would just leave it at that. But Eric mm-hmm. asked, so here's the moment where I had to tell my mother, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I had to make that decision to choose my own path and write my own story. And uh, listeners, as you listen to this excerpt, I want you to think about what is the decision? What is the choice God's calling you to make? Step out in your own path. What is the vow he wants you to let go of? Mm. Maybe you once made in your past to start a new chapter with God. Ama, that's mother for in Chinese. Ama, this is just a simple, fun weekend to ride roller coasters. I haven't dated anyone since college and I'm 31 years old. Why can't you be happy for me? I started crying because I was more scared than anything, scared that I said it so bluntly, scared because I'd never spoken to my mom like this. How stupid can you be, Amma said. A man comes along and pays you a little attention, and you think that makes you special? Hmm. Amma scoffed. You've forgotten who you are. You're Bonnie Lee. You're my daughter. You belong to me. I thought she would storm out and I would hear her grab her car keys and slam the front door as she often did when I was a little girl, leaving me behind alone at home. Instead, Ama tore out thundering into the kitchen. I had her drawers opening and slamming shut. And the next thing I knew, she flew back in the room with a glint of steel, brandishing a large pair of scissors in her hand. She shoved my sliding closet doors open, violently yanking my clothes off the hangers. And she ran the blade of shears against my clothes with one hand, tugging them like she was strangling the life out of them. Everything you have, everything you are is because of me. Mm. If it weren't for me, there would be no you. I stood there paralyzed, choking in my tears as she flew everything off my desk in a confetti of flurry. And that thought hit me. Something is really, really wrong. Mm. Mm. I'm telling you listeners, that is just a taste. It is a riveting, it is a riveting memoir. And Bonnie, I'm so grateful that you have been vulnerable. I want our listeners to get a copy and the free gift, which is the journal. So tell them how they can find you. I know they can follow you on Instagram, sweetlikejasmine.com, but, but tell us about the free gift as well again, and where they, you want them to go to purchase the book. Yes. Purchase the book anywhere books are sold Mm -hmm. and sign up for this free journal at sweetlikejasmine.com. Follow me at the Bonnie Gray. I want to um, 
leave you on that cliffhanger because I'd love for you to take a, pick up a copy of the book to find out what happens, but I don't want to leave you on an emotional cliffhanger. So I want to empower you with a word that is from my book in response to that moment. You mm. are worthy of peace. You are worthy of peace. Beloved, you will make a very hard decision one day to choose peace over fear. You have to keep choosing to believe you're worthy of that peace. Peace isn't freedom from conflict. Peace is trusting God enough to make the right choice in the midst of conflict. You will need to count the costs and set your face like splint to choose peace. You will have to be honest with yourself. There will come a time for this honesty and that honesty is now. Mm, so good. It's so powerful. And Bonnie's going to pray over us in just a moment, but Bonnie, I love to ask all of my guests this question, and I'm so interested to hear your answer, but you're making your life matter in so many ways. And you're, you're reminding us, even our broken places, it all matters. Our lives matter. Our stories matter. So I want to know other than Jesus, who in the Bible has inspired you to make life matter? Maybe someone you can't wait to meet in heaven. I would think that's Moses Hmm. because Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years after he left Egypt. So he already left that identity. He's like, okay, I'm done with that. There's so many terrible things that happened in my past. Let's just live a new quiet life where I'm just very ordinary. I'm just a shepherd spending time Hmm. with sheep. And 40 years later, I mean, past his prime, God calls him. And yet he spends another 40 years. Um, leading the Israelites in the wilderness. I'm like, I want to talk to him because he, like, I feel like I would connect with him. I would want to know like, oh my gosh, what was it like to have to go back to Egypt? Yeah. Wow. How did you do that? And then, you know, how did you lead all these people when you yourselves didn't even know where you're going? So I, I, I would love to talk to Moses. I, I think I can connect with him because he's had so many different identities. Yeah. He's had so many different hats on and he didn't even want to go. And I think a lot of us are like that, like healing. Oh, that sounds great, Bonnie. I, but no, thank you. But yeah, yeah. God still calls us to heal. He's, he's not going to leave us alone. He's going to say, you're worth it. And I'm going to send other people to help you. And you'll find in the book that there's many people that are put on my path to help me. I didn't do it alone. That's why we need each other. That's why I'm passionate about this book and this journal, because we hold the light to healing in this world. You know, the world likes to say, hey, I've got it all together. That's why you need to listen to me and follow me. But we as believers, we say the opposite. We say, I don't have it all together. But I know somebody who can help us. That's and right. so let's just share this journey together. And you're safe. You're safe with me. Mm. You know, come, come, you know, have a cup of coffee with me. Come just like be your messy self and we'll get through this together. So powerful. And you'll feel like Bonnie is sitting right with you when you're reading this book. I'm telling you, I, I feel like I know you so much better. Sometimes I wanted it to be a, a scratch and sniff book because you'd write about noodles or the spices in the apothecary and apothecary. And I was like, Oh, I just wish I could be there and smell it and experience it and see it. But you put us right there. I'm not surprised you said Moses because I think you already know what it feels like to go back to Egypt because you, you went to your Egypt. And you've allowed God to take you to those places so that he could use you for so much kingdom purpose. So thank you. Thank you for your voice and our generation, Bonnie. I'm so grateful. I want to read one last excerpt. And it's a a moment that you talked about drinking the medicine, the Chinese medicine that your mom had made for you and the cup that you had to drink that out of. And then you compared that to the cup that Jesus has drank for us. And then I want to invite you to pray over us 
Jesus drinks the bitter cup of loneliness. So our brokenness is made beautiful because he loves us in our lonely hour of need. He loves us in the moments that once broke us. So we don't have to hold on to the vows that we once made long ago to rely on ourselves and no one else. We can let go of the vows to stay strong, but lonely because Jesus folds his loving hand in ours instead. It's time for us to open up our heart to heal and be loved instead. Jesus loved me faithfully. He didn't change my situation, but he protected me from letting it poison my heart. Pain is what I've been through, but it isn't my name. I'm God's beloved, and so are you. God has been loving us all along. And one of the themes of this book is Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Bonnie, thank you for your voice in our generation. Thank you for this book, Sweet Like Jasmine, for your resilience and for the power of your story. And I would love for you to pray of our listeners as we close our time together. Yes, dear Jesus, thank you so much that Angela and I can meet. We can meet as sisters in Christ. And we met between the printed pages because you are an author. You write your stories of how you've walked through many people's lives. And now you're walking with us. Your word says that each of us is a letter of Christ. I just pray for every listener, every man and woman that are here with Angela and me, Empower them to see that they have a beautiful story, beauty out of brokenness. And that's where your love shines. So empower and comfort. Nothing can change the identity that you've given us. You have made us the beloved. So Lord, everyone who who is listening and who's here with us, I pray that you would empower, lift, and whisper to them, you are my beloved. In Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. So you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.